Hello, this is MLEX's weekly podcast covering the top regulatory stories from around the world. My name is James Paniki, Asia-Pacific Senior Editor, and it's great to have your company again this week. And yes, it has happened. The California Privacy Protection Agency has been established and is the first standalone privacy enforcer in the U.S., The governor of the state has appointed five people to the board, and we'll talk about who those five people are in just a moment. The new agency is a product of the California Privacy Rights Act, which was voted in by the state's electorate last November and will come into effect in 2023. The establishment of the agency is therefore a significant development, and not just for California. The question now is which states are likely to follow California's lead, and whether state-based legislation will prompt federal lawmakers to get involved. Amy Miller is a senior correspondent for MLEX covering privacy and data security. Mike Swift is our chief global digital risk correspondent. Both of them are based in our San Francisco bureau, and both of them are on the line right now. So, um, Mike, let's start with you. Just remind us what the California Privacy Protection Agency is, and why we should care about it. So the big news here is that this is the first sole purpose data protection authority in the United States. So whereas there are something like 28 in Europe and a growing number around the world, this is really the first creature like that here in the US. And there is the Federal Trade Commission that that does protect privacy, but that's not what the FTC was created to do. It's a mission they sort of accepted late late in life. And um, this agency is going to start from scratch to really do that particular job. So that's a that's a pretty significant thing in uh, kind of the the spreading of uh, data protection law around the the world. Even mm. now, the board has been announced. This is always controversial. Who are uh, the five people that have been named? What are their backgrounds, and what are they expected to do now? So the board, uh, yes, Governor Newsom announced the five board members last week, and and Amy and I both reported on that and. Um, it was kind of a surprise the the, the folks who were named in that um, they weren't sort of the traditional they weren't all sort of the traditional privacy scholars and uh, the chairperson is uh, Jennifer Urban who is a professor at uh, Cal Berkeley and who is. Uh, pretty much a traditional privacy scholar. But then you had a a sort of a varied cast. Um, John Christopher Thompson is uh, the other member appointed by Governor Newsom. He's a former utility executive and uh, former chief of staff of California senior senator Dianne Feinstein. So he's he's a real political animal. He'll uh, be very familiar with folks in the legislature and in Congress, and I assume he was chosen for that reason. Uh, the third member is Angela Sierra, who's a longtime member of the uh, California Attorney General's office and had been the former chief of the privacy uh, division there. So she's the only one who really has traditional regulatory experience. And the other two members are Lydia De La Torre, who is um, actually a native of Spain, who's a real uh, expert on Europe's uh, GDPR. And finally, Vincent Lee, who's a, a, an expert on algorithmic bias um, and, and artificial intelligence. So it's an interesting group, very varied in terms of um, age, 
race and from what part of California they're from, uh, gender as well. So, so that's interesting. Um, it, it's going to be interesting to see how they work together. Because that is the question, isn't it, Mike, with the establishment of new boards like this, which are by definition, I suppose, political appointments. Uh, you know, the, the question is uh, whether those making the appointment, so in this case, obviously, Governor uh, Gavin Newsom, whether or not they find people with a, a track record of, uh, you know, as legitimate privacy enforcers or whether they simply appoint political um, political hacks, for, for lack of a kinder description. In this case, from what you're telling me, though, it sounds like they're on the other side of the ledger, that these sound at least like people with a certain amount of uh, substance and credibility. I think they do have one uh, substance. Yeah, I mean, I was wondering whether they were going to be hacks as well. But I mean, the only guy who um, could really be, you know, termed a political animal is is uh, Chris Thompson, who was Newsom's other appointment. And, you know, he does have some interesting experience in that he, as um, a utility executive, did the regulatory oversight for the decommissioning of a nuclear power station in Southern California. So that's um, very different from running a privacy board, but uh, he should know something about how an organization works, one would think. And that's sort of an interesting area of the law as well. So maybe there's some relevant experience there. Uh, Mike, has, has there been some criticism of any of the members for their ties to the tech industry in their in their past lives or in their current jobs? Yeah, that's a great point, right? We were talking about that because you're seeing now that there's such a, an animus against the tech companies that anybody who's done any work for a tech company um, is getting uh, sort of labeled as uh, not suitable to, to take a regulatory role. And one member of the board, Lydia Della Torre, uh, worked for a law firm uh, that represented Cambridge Analytica. And so there's been a bunch of chatter on Twitter, you know, should she have gotten this job and some bad feeling about that. But she's gone and re- she's resigned from the law firm. So that eliminates any conflict. And it's kind of hard to see how that would be a big problem. But again, yeah, there, you're, that's a great thing to point out that there has been some of that out there. I was impressed. I, I was unfamiliar with some of them. I, I, I was excited to learn more about Jennifer Urban. I was not as familiar with her work as so many people were. And she's just a very interesting uh, person. She's done a lot of uh, good work in a lot of different areas. So I'll be very interested to see um, what she does as the head of the board, given given how excited a lot of people are to see her there. Okay, well, Mike, let's wrap up the the conversation about the new agency. I mean, we know what to expect to a certain extent from the new agency, but what don't we know at this stage? What are the question marks that are still hanging over uh, this project? Well, we basically don't know anything other than the five members of the board. We don't know where their office is going to be. They don't even have a website yet. We don't know if these people have even met each other face-to-face. Uh, they probably haven't, actually. So we don't know how they're going to work together. What we do know is that they have a deadline of um, a year from July 1st to complete the guidelines for how the new uh, California Privacy Law, the California Privacy Rights Act, is going to be enforced. So they do need to sort of hit the ground running now. They they have to create really an agency from scratch. They need to hire staff. They need to um, you know do all the basic things like find an office. And you know we don't know if it'll be in Sacramento, the state capital, or or San Francisco or Los Angeles. It could be in any of those places. So there there's a lot to to we're going to be watching in the, in the next few months. 
Okay, Amy, let's uh, move the conversation on to whether other US states are taking notice of what uh, the Californian Privacy Agency uh, is and the fact that it's been established. Uh, And I wonder if other states might be thinking about establishing similar data protection enforcement agencies. Well, not as many as you might think. So far, I've just found one state, New Jersey, uh, that's introduced a bill that would set up a separate oversight agency uh, for privacy and data security issues. And that would be, though, within an existing agency in New Jersey. So what you're seeing is not so much picking up yet on the um, oversight board. We may see that next year. Um, What you're seeing is, is states following Uh, California's Consumer Protection Act uh, and passing laws very similar to what's already been passed in California. So in other words, uh, using consumer laws, beefing up consumer laws so that they take in issues of data protection, right? Exactly. About 24 states so far this year have introduced comprehensive consumer privacy bills Nearly all of them offer the same sorts of uh, data protection rights and more more uh, control over their online data. They give them rights to access, uh, access to their data, correction of their data, deletion, portability. Uh, nearly all of the proposals are offer- offering an opt-out uh, for third-party uh, data sales. But there are some key differences in some of the state bills, but they are very similar in, in the data rights that they give state residents. So, Amy, are these proposals that are coming forward in other states, uh, are they essentially uh, consumer laws or are there any of them that that really mirror what California has done by uh, creating capital P privacy laws? Well, none of the states have gone so far as to create an oversight board like, uh, like California has, but other states, at least 24 states, have introduced uh, comprehensive consumer privacy laws that would give state residents much greater control over their online data. They would Nearly all of the proposals uh, mirror the, the, the California Consumer Privacy Act in that they offer access to the data, correction of the data, uh, deletion, portability. Um, they offer opt-out uh, for third-party data sales. Um, so they're all kind of following in California's footsteps, but there are differences in, in the bills um, that are coming out. Amy, don't take this personally, but Americans are known as being rather litigious. So would these, <laughs> would these state, I mean, present company excluded, I'm sure, but would these state proposals give consumers the right to sue companies for alleged violations? Yeah, that's been the biggest sticking point with these bills. So there's there's really two, all of these bills, all of these state bills mirror GDPR in, in the rights that they give and the requirements that they give to companies on keeping data secure, things like that. Um, but they're really divided in the United States into two different camps. One, one, one side is modeled after these California consumer privacy bills that, that grant a, a private right of action. Uh, the California Consumer Privacy Act lets uh, people sue if their data was insecure and collected as part of a data breach. So they can, they can sue for statutory damages. So a lot of these bills are following in that mold. Uh, but that's very controversial. Um, a lot of these business groups are really pushing hard uh, against these provisions. Oklahoma was proposing something uh, along those lines, a really strong private right of action, and they ended up amending it, taking it out because they had so much opposition. 
And then you have this other side, this other style of bills modeled after the Washington uh, Privacy Act that's been proposed three times. This year's their, their third time. And each time, uh, it doesn't have a, a, a private right of action. And that's been a real sticking point um, for people on the privacy side. There's, there's a, a strong belief in the, in the United States, and I know this is hard for people outside the U.S. to understand, and I've heard Europeans just wonder why this is this way, but uh, they really believe that these privacy laws are not going to be enforced if you just leave it up to the state AGs, as well as they would be if you give consumers the right to sue. And, and they point to the Illinois Biometric Information Privacy Act, which is one of the only laws that actually provides statutory damages uh, for, for violations of misuse of biometric information. And, and uh, Facebook just paid a $650 million fine. So for some folks, that's a good thing. For, for some state legislators, they see those big, big numbers and they think, yes, we should have that for our states, uh, for our residents too. We should have those same kinds of remedies for our, for our residents. But then on the other side are people saying, look, this is generating uh, litigation over minor things like how employees are collecting fingerprint information for timekeeping purposes. If they're not getting the disclosures right or the permissions and consents right, uh, they're getting sued. And so for some people, that's a real problem. It's generating a lot of unnecessary litigation. So that's the big divide right now in these state bills. Uh, some bills that offer a private right of action modeled after California and those that don't uh, modeled after Washington's Privacy Act. You know, there's there's really the op- the opportunity for there to be surprises too. Um, uh, Virginia, the state of Virginia went and has enacted a whole law. It's gone through the legislature. It's been signed into law. It will become effective in 2023. And um, w- we were watching that a little bit, but we it sort of felt like it came out of left field. I mean, Amy, maybe you don't feel that way, but it sort of felt that way to me. Yeah, it absolutely came out of left field. And we've got another bill moving through Florida very quickly. Yeah. Uh, the Virginia bill is modeled after the Washington Privacy Act. Right. So it doesn't have a private right of action. But the Florida bill does. Uh, and there's two bills moving forward, one in the Senate and one of the House. And that's moving just as fast as the uh, Virginia bill was moving forward. But they can also die really quickly. Utah's uh, had a bill that was moving forward quickly, and it's 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 dead. Yeah, so. yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, in previous years, we'd really been watching New York or Washington. We really thought that was going to be the next state to break through. And it turned out, you know, it was Virginia, which surprised everyone. And now maybe it's going to be Florida. So so um, all of these things are over. If, if enough states really pass laws, it's going to put a tremendous amount of pressure on Congress to finally pass, you know, a U.S. national privacy law. And... But we'll, we'll see how that plays out. When Virginia's governor signed their privacy bill, that was big news. I mean, people were very excited about it, and, and they're very anxious about the difference between Virginia's privacy bill and, and California's privacy law. And there are some significant differences that could cause some issues for, for companies. Um, Virginia's um, definition of, of sale of data, what you can opt out of, is a little bit uh, um, narrower in some ways. Some people argue that it's clearer than the CPA's definition. Uh, the, the Virginia privacy bill just limits sale to exact to um, monetary when, when money is exchanged. There's got to be some sort of uh, exchange of cash. But the uh, California's uh, opt-out provision um, sale does not have to be for cash. It could be for some sort of other consideration besides money. So those are the kinds of things that are going to cause companies uh, some headaches. I mm. think moving forward. 
And Amy, from a, an international perspective, obviously the European Union's GDPR is quite influential in the way in which it sets out privacy legislation. I wonder if uh, consideration of uh, GDPR provisions has played a part in uh, developing models uh, across U.S. Uh, jurisdictions. So California is even trying to, uh, has, has speculated on whether or not it could get adequacy status under GDPR. So yeah, all of these bills, I think, owe a, a debt to, to GDPR. I, I don't think that the state legislators are talking about it in those terms. I think for them, it's are, are they like California or not like California? They really see it going back to California more so than GDPR. I, I think you heard those discussions in, in California initially, but um, yeah, I think they all do, do owe, owe something to, to GDPR, yeah. Mike, is that your reading as well? Is GDPR, has GDPR been influential in these debates? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I totally agree with Amy. And, and you know, the newest generation of the California Privacy, the California Privacy Rights Act, which got approved in November, um, the founder of that, uh, the chief proponent, Alistair McTaggart, has told us many times that he really wrote that law to be much closer to the GDPR than the CCPA, the first California law was. So that's definitely a purpose of that. And, you know, just to bring things back to the, the, the new privacy agency that's being set up, um, the new law specifically charges them to work not only with other states, but to work with other countries, to work with privacy regulators in other countries. So you could see the California agency team up, say, with the Irish Data Protection Commissioner and investigate Facebook. That's, that's the type of thing that is um, certainly possible. And the goal is to make California much more of an international place. And uh, potentially down the road, as Amy said, that might lead to an actual adequacy uh, uh, ruling uh, with Europe if the U.S. is not able to pass a national law. You know, we'll see. I don't know. That's probably still years away, though. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see if next year you see more states besides New Jersey start to consider these these additional oversight boards. Um, I don't know if, if they're sort of waiting to see what happens in, in Washington. I think they're not. But uh, so far, no one's really taken up that mantle yet except California. Mike and Amy, thank you so much for all of your work on these issues. It's not easy keeping track of everything that's going on across 50 states, but you guys are doing a great job. So let's talk again very soon. Thanks, James. Thank you, James. Amy Miller is a senior correspondent covering privacy and data security. Mike Swift is our chief global digital risk correspondent. Both of them report for MLEX from San Francisco. And we'll post a link to Amy and Mike's reporting of the appointments to the California Privacy Protection Agency. And you can find it at our website, mlexmarketinsight.com. That's M-L-E-X marketinsight.com. And click on the News Hub tab. Now, don't forget that you can find MLEX podcasts on iTunes, Spotify, SoundCloud and Stitcher. Where possible, please leave a review and help us spread the word. Sadly, that's all we have time for for today. We'll be back in your feed next Friday at more or less the same time. My name is James Paniki and from everyone here at MLEX and LexisNexis, thank you for your company. I'll see you again soon. Bye for now. Bye for now.